from KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. All of us are going into the third year of a global pandemic that's shaken everything from our healthcare system to the way we work. All of us are seeing the effects of rising violent crime and racist attacks across the country and here in the Pacific Northwest. And all of us are dealing with economic challenges and uncertainty. These things are tough enough for adults to manage, but for kids who are still trying to figure out the world, that combination can be crushing. Thank you for watching Straight Talk. I'm Brenda Braxton in for Laurel Porter. Throughout the pandemic, kids have had a whole lot to deal with. First, schools closed. Then they shifted to distance learning, then to hybrid schooling, and finally, back in person. A lot of kids have adjusted, but others have found it challenging and they are not insulated on campus. Kids continue to deal with the wider societal issues that we're all dealing with right now, rising violence, including hate crimes and those economic concerns. Our guests today are superintendents of the two largest school districts in Oregon. Guadalupe Guerrero has been the superintendent of Portland Public Schools for the past six years. And Christy Perry is the superintendent of the Salem-Kaiser School District. She's been serving in that role since 2014. Thank you for joining me. Let's start with this school year. How much have things returned to normal since the pandemic started, Christy? I'll begin with you. All right, so first of all, I'd say we probably um, shouldn't ever return to normal. We've learned a lot about our kids. We've learned a lot about the disparities and the world has changed and changed us in ways that we'll feel for decades. So, um, but this school year in particular for Salem-Kaiser, we really doubled down on our routines, teaching a behavioral expectation, regulating school environments, so that really then kids can learn. They have to have safe and welcoming spaces before academic learning. So I would say for 85 to 90% of our kids, that's been uh, a really effective strategy. The trick is that for the, another group of kids, the um, challenges are so great that they're um, really on the verge of heartbreaking, and how do you have enough support, mental health support, um, to really care for them um, first so that they can access their learning. So um, in, within that group, there's some dysregulated behaviors um, and just a lot, of, a lot of need. And the pandemic really, um, just really um, brought that out. It kind of um, sh shined a light on it for us. Guadalupe, what about in PPS? Well, our edu as educators, our core mission's always been teaching and learning, but uh, in the same way Christy describes, what we're noticing is that the pandemic has amplified disparities uh, academically, certainly, but what we're observing are all the readiness to learn challenges. And so our students have not, and their families have not been immune from the trauma and instability of homelessness and addiction and gun violence and mental behavioral health. And so as public school educators and school systems, uh, how do we support our students to be uh, able to support, uh, you know, their thriving uh, and their outcomes? So those are the challenges and they're real and we're facing them every day. But how much pressure are you guys under and also the people that you work with to get school life back to normal and also to get kids caught up? Yeah. 
I would say um, tremendous pressure and every and that pressure for every classroom teacher for every school administrator for every superintendent we're all feeling that and that urge to how fast can we go how quick can we accelerate what are the research-based interventions um, one little fact about the kids in Salem Kaiser pre-pandemic our kids came into kindergarten about half the state average for kindergarten readiness so you think about that that's pre-pandemic mm. and think of the challenges for just incoming kindergartners who wouldn't know letter sounds um, and then to be home on a computer facing all the same challenges without access to school that's really going to take time um, to overcome for kids not only the challenges of what they faced um, without lack of stimulation and school but then how, how do you get how do you get that back so we're feeling tremendous pressure I know we're all doubling down on our efforts around academics as you well. You know what I wonder about Guadalupe, because I look at politics in general, mm -hmm. I look at school board meetings who have, mm -hmm. that have just become explosive. You're in charge of the largest school district mm -hmm. in the state. Mm -hmm. um, I know all those families don't agree. How are you treated? You know, she talks about pressure, but what can you add to that? Yeah, I think whether you're a small or a large uh, a school district leader, I think you have to be responsive to community voice and you have to keep your core values uh, consistent. They need to be student-centered. And we do have to sort of take all of the input, uh, synthesize that, but we need to make decisions that are in the best interests of, of students uh, and preserving their opportunities to be successful and thrive. And so, uh, yes, we have to contend with all of these uh, challenges in front of us, and my hat's off to our first line of defense, our educators, our school leaders. Uh, but I have to say, our school boards have also played an important role. Yes, in some communities, they've been perhaps more partisan or politics have made their way into the school board. I'm grateful that you know we've been consistently trying to remain student focused and that has helped us get through the challenges of the last couple of years. So the Oregon Department of Education released some new data this week showing that Oregon graduation rates are up slightly from last year. 81.3% of the class of 2022 graduated compared to 80.6% for the class of 2021. But Oregon consistently ranks among the worst in the nation when it comes to graduation rates. Um, Christy, what more can be done to get more kids across the finish line? Yeah, I would say, um, I think we, as educators, we know what to do. Mm. And um, we know that takes time. And for example, uh, the summer learning monies have really helped us, but all of that is um, volatile. So. What I would say is we need to um, join as a state, commit to high quality education, fund that appropriately, make sure we have funded mental health systems for our kids, and then give us the time with kids to do the academic work. Our teachers, our school leaders, they know what to do. They need time, resources. Um, mental health supports for our kids. Would you add anything? Yeah, I think the graduation rate is an important indicator, but I think what you're hearing is we have to think and go upstream. And mm -hmm. so that means a focus on our primary grade level aged children, that focus on early literacy, uh, in the same way that we're observing a lot of uh, readiness to learn challenges with the early grades, we're seeing them in the middle grades as well. These are students, middle school is already an awkward period, but when you haven't been in school for a couple years, you know, a lot of those issues have, have been amplified. Now we're proud to continue posting an incremental growth in our graduation rate and you know we're proud of our educators and our students uh, for for that work and that outcome 
uh, we're pleased, we're not totally satisfied until every single student is walking across the stage. So clearly we still have work to do, but if we stay focused and we, we, we make sure that our efforts, our investments, and, and the adequate resources to be able to do that work, we think every student can be successful. And I, I think there's a really important body of research, and I know PPS has seen this, uh, with their early reading and literacy scores is around that science of reading. And again, to resource us appropriately, to give teachers the tools, mm -hmm. research-based interventions, professional development, and then the time to teach, um, they can move they can move the dial for third grade reading. Uh, for us, our English, we have a lot of English language learners, so we are looking not only at third grade reading, but fifth grade reading, because we want our kids to be, to be bilingual. Um, kids and so we need a little bit more time for reading but the, the research is clear but we it's going to take time it's going to take professional development and it's going to take a commitment to this is this is the strategy when you think about our middle grades involvement in extracurricular mm -hmm. can every middle school right. child have access to a free um, extracurricular activity. They need to be out running and playing at middle level still. They're big bodies that are still kids. Um, get off the, the cell phones, get them out of social media, and give them plenty of enriching opportunity mm -hmm. at that middle level, but that's resource. People change the trajectory for kids. And we are going to talk more about resources. I do want to touch on what I mentioned earlier, which is returning to the classroom mm -hmm. and some of the challenge challenges sure. that that has presented for children. Um, we've seen reports about more fighting and uh, other behavioral problems in general. So here's what a Salem-Kaiser teacher told KGW back in April of last year. I was getting threatened by students. Um, I'm gonna hit you and I don't care if your baby dies. I mean, um, I'm talking like profanity, um, hitting, kicking, um, throwing chairs, tipping tables. Last year, I got a concussion. Every single one of my um, IAs have received concussions. They've, they've received um, from, from students, and there was nothing that we could do. That's hard to listen to. It is hard okay. to listen to. Mm -hmm. In that same piece, Christy, we heard from Salem-Kaiser parents who were pulling mm -hmm. their kids out of the district because of concerns of their safety. Mm -hmm. What kind of behavioral issues are you seeing? Yeah, we're, um, so what we do is we definitely track all of that at the district level and we're, um, we still, we have fewer this year than last, that, that really tight regulated environment that I talked about at the beginning, mm -hmm. really important. Um, but then the piece that um, we've opened up a couple specialized classrooms to really do um, behavior regulation and behavior training with kids, but the piece for Salem-Kaiser that we're really missing is uh, full mental health supports for our kids because what this teacher is saying is about a student who really has uh, some great needs yes. that aren't academic first. Mm -hmm. And it isn't fair for educators um, who are equipped to be teachers of reading and writing and math and maybe not mental health in this way. Um, we have a social worker in every middle school, every high school. We spend over $38 million in social emotional learning supports and it's not enough. So what you can see is we've got to have community-based solutions that really step in and intervene with these kids. I know in Portland Public, uh, you're facing some of the same issues. Mm -hmm. We've covered this a lot, but can you talk more specifically about the city? Sure, of course we want our, our students, 
our educators to be able to learn and work in a positive learning environment. We too have spent millions uh, on social workers, mental behavioral health. We're excited about our new partnership with U of O and the Balmer Institute. Um, but in inevitably, the challenges that our broader community are facing at some point are going to enter the schoolhouse or uh, incidents are going to occur on the steps of our campuses and we have to contend with those. So I think what my colleague Christy is describing is we've got to have a collective approach. We're not a social service agency and yet we are dealing with a lot of those readiness to learn challenges. So uh, support with mental behavioral health and the other traumas like drug addiction and gun violence that are impacting our community. We need collective solutions and you know school systems are prepared to step up and do their part. We're educators uh, and so we really we really need our city and county leaders and statewide leaders uh, to sort of kind of make sure that we have the capacity as a community to address these issues. I'm going to put you on the spot for a second and um, I don't mean to but I'm just kind of curious ballpark. Mm -hmm. We talk about time. Mm -hmm. It's going to take time to reverse some of these trends mm -hmm. and to move forward but how much time are we talking about? I'll ask you first. Well, how much time is it going to take to make sure that there's housing stability? How much time is it going to take for the economy to be serving all of our families? How much time is it going to take for the state and our country to address the drug addiction and the gun violence issues? Mm -hmm. I don't have the answer to that. What I can tell you are some of the tactics and strategies that we're putting in place and some of the conversations and dialogue that we're trying to make connections for because we recognize this crisis and for us to satisfy the public education of every student that walks in our doors with all of the issues and background that they bring, we want them to be able to thrive. We've got to have a, a, a much more compelling children's agenda. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you? And I would agree with that. It's um, the school public education is only mirrors what's happening in our communities. Our, you, at the beginning, you talked about all the challenges. Our kids are experiencing all those. They feel all those and in many cases are directly experiencing them. And so we have to step up as a state with a bold children's agenda that we all, um, we all commit to. You know, Portland Public Schools in particular has been dealing with gun violence near schools a lot in recent months. In October, two students were shot near Jefferson High School. In November, a teenage girl was shot near Vestal Elementary. That same month, another student was shot near Jefferson. And then in December, a teen was shot outside Cleveland High. Earlier this month, shots were fired outside Franklin High School. A child was grazed by a bullet. And then what you're seeing here is home video of people running out of the school's gym. Guadalupe, what does PPS need right now to help turn this around and curb the violence? Sure. Uh, all of these incidents are extremely alarming. Uh, of course, I take main, uh, ensuring the safety of our students that our families entrust us with to be a primary concern. This is why, you know, we've attempted to be proactive about all of those measures we can take to ensure campus safety, whether that's cameras and investing in more campus security agents and those mental behavioral healths. But these issues that the community is contending with have, in fact, are now impacting and involving our youth. And so we're going to remain in conversation to address some of those issues and you know what what are some of the solutions in the short term and the long term you know some of those continue to evolve and uh, we have to keep talking if we're going to curb uh, the violence that we're seeing citywide that now we're seeing in our schools unfortunately 
Can we talk about the role that SROs play mm -hmm. on campus? Um, Christy, I'll turn to you. What are your thoughts about them? Yeah, right now we do not have um, SROs on our campus, but what we have remained uh, is a very um, strong relationship and partnership with our uh, law enforcement partners. Our um, hallmark for Salem-Kaiser is our um, national model for threat assessment, which at its core is a preventative system and it doesn't start with police, it starts with educators. And educators identifying students um, and then assessing where they are and then putting preventative measures in place. Um, a key feature though is that connection with law enforcement to be sure that if we need them, they're there. And for Salem what I'll t um, and Kaiser both, um, we actually work with three jurisdictions, our law enforcement partners are there and at the table with us um, to the degree that even when they are facing staffing shortages, they still are in um, weekly conversations with us around prevention. Mm -hmm. And that's a pretty big deal if you think right. about it, staffing shortages and still having conversations around prevention. So that's um, an important feature for us. Yeah, there's no question that school systems have to maintain a positive and productive working collaboration with law enforcement. We have to. Public safety often intrudes on the school setting. Uh, I'm thankful that in these uh, last uh, incidents that we've had over the last couple of months, uh, that we've seen evidence of, of a good collaboration uh, with the Portland Police Bureau, for example. Uh, the question of SROs is one that uh, we're posing to our community. Uh, I having the opportunity to sit with about a dozen focus groups from students to, uh, to families to high school principals. And I think we all see the benefit of a specially trained law enforcement officer who has a good working relationship and remains in communication with our campus leaders, our campus security agents. Uh, I, and so we need to think about what are the working agreements to ensure that's the case. I think what people forget in Portland is that two years ago when we had to call a timeout and pause the program, that the, the context was different. There weren't resources identified. Uh, off of the officer shortage in Portland was drawing the SROs back onto the streets. So we were not always experiencing uh, a consistent relationship with PPB. So if we can work out details that ensure uh, a couple of those issues, uh, as you might expect, there's wide opinion on this topic depending on who you're speaking to but I think we all want to have uh, we don't want to worry about our safety when we're showing up to school to work or to learn so this conversation is evolving and uh, we'll see where where we end up all right everybody uh, stay with us because when we come back we're going to talk more about possible solutions including what the districts are hoping to get from Oregon lawmakers this session we will also dive into what's going right in schools these days we're back in two minutes And welcome back to Straight Talk. Today we are talking about some of the concerns facing our schools after almost three years of this pandemic. And joining me today are superintendents of two of the state's largest school districts. Guadalupe Guerrero is the superintendent of Portland Public Schools and Christy Perry is the superintendent of Salem-Kaiser. Let's talk about the legislature, which is in session for the next several months. 
PPS, what specifically are you going to be asking lawmakers for? Well, our school board has also given us this thought, so we have some legislative priorities. But certainly we want to see a couple of features uh, that our le legislators focus on. Uh, one, of course, adequate funding for K-12 in Oregon to do the kinds of supports and interventions we've been describing this morning. But uh, because of those challenges we're observing, we want to see a focus on early literacy. We want to make sure our students have strong foundational primary years and pick up those skills. Learning to read is important in the upper grades to learn content. Uh, we want to see us have the capacity to offer summer school. We know that our students need more instructional time. The only way to build in some more instructional time is oftentimes to extend that school year of learning. So the ability to have some summer school is, is going to be important. Those are a couple. Now, of course, we've talked a lot about the social emotional needs. So any resources uh, and considerations that can go into making sure that there's either collaborations or partnerships or resources dedicated to addressing those needs that our students are demonstrating. And what about you, Christy? 100% everything Guadalupe mm -hmm. said. Mm -hmm. And then I think a bold children's agenda would be the thing I would mm -hmm. ask. Like, let's put um, our children first and let's be sure that we have a bold agenda about what we want for our children in the state of Oregon. I think that can take us a long ways because we have lots of, lots of challenges for kids. And kids deserve better from us. Yeah. So can we flip the script a little mm -hmm. bit because we have spent this time talking about the challenges. We are all well aware of what the challenges mm -hmm. are, but there are so many things that are going right with our kids and right within our school systems. Guadalupe, can you talk about some of those? And, and that's what I love to talk about because on any given week as I visit our school communities, some incredible things are happening with our educators and, and our talented students. Uh, and, and it's it's, it, it's, it's heartwarming to see after such a challenging time period, our students engage in some pretty rigorous learning. Uh, part of our, our challenge and objective is to make sure our kids are engaged and hooked into school. Uh, and so seeing our arts programming expand and flourish, uh, seeing students participating in new learning environments, we continue to open, we just opened a new high school, uh, that's exciting, we'll continue to do that with modernization work. Uh, our efforts in literacy I think is showing early signs that it's, it's paying off by increased reading proficiency rates. We talked about the incremental growth in our graduation rates. Uh, we think the investments that one-time federal pandemic relief money has afforded us to address those other readiness to learn challenges, when you talk about, you know, that's going well and to continue offering it, those monies are going to go away. And so we hope that our legislature sort of recognizes uh, our students still have those needs. And what about yeah. in Salem-Kaiser? So first of all, I would say if anyone has a chance, you should visit a school to see what is really happening in a school. Ask to volunteer, ask to help, because when you see uh, the um, amazingness of teaching kids to read, um, of our career and technical education programs, our culinary students, our you, and you talk to kids, you would be continually impressed about the youth of today. Our, our uh, society will be better based on the youth of today. So we have a couple amazing school board advisors that would speak to you anytime. Um, another pride point for us, I think, is our dual language expansion. So even in this um, time of a um, pandemic, we are working to um, expand our dual language programs across, um, I think by the end, we'll have about 22 elementary schools across multiple theater areas. And what we know if our kids are bilingual, that they will um, surpass graduation rates for kids who are not. We know that's really a, a strategy to help our kids and they'll be super competitive in the world. Mm. Um, 
And so we've really um, focused on that and we're excited to see that. Um, anyway, get out in a school, be with kids. I do love that you brought that up because mm -hmm. I would like to leave people with some action items. Mm -hmm. Volunteering in your neighborhood school. Do you have to have a child there to go? <laughs> no. You can volunteer. Yep. Same mm -hmm. with Portland? Well, sure, and of course, we'll want to make sure that these are the folks that are going to be yeah. great mentors yeah. uh, to support the learning in the classroom. Uh, there's lots of ways to get involved. Uh, certainly look up our foundations uh, and, and our fund for PPS and other ways to support public schools. But I think the best thing we can ask is for people to, to uh, learn what's happening in its public schools and understand that the issues are, are nuanced, that these are complex challenges and they don't have an easy answer, uh, but with our broader community Understanding that, I think we can make that collective difference that, that benefits our students and children. Yeah, make sure and read to kids. You yes, have any opportunity, any opportunity to get out a hard book and read with a child, whether they're yours or someone else's. Um, that's kids. Kids need words. The kids, uh, old saying, "It takes a village," and that is village. certainly mm -hmm. true these days. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, and we want to say thank you again to our guests today, Guadalupe Guerrero with Portland Public Schools and Christy Perry with Salem Kaiser. Uh, please, just a reminder that you can listen to Straight Talk anytime. We are also a podcast on whichever platform you prefer, and we will be back again next week.